The reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 4. You'll find it in page 1095 if you're following on the Pew Bibles. Uh, Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, it's the aftermath of the healing of the lame man uh, by Peter uh, in the name of Jesus. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to no longer speak to anyone in this dame. When they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. So good morning again, and you'll probably be be excited to know that this morning we're going to start with a movie clip. Oh, yes. Um, it's not a modern movie. 
so um, just uh, bear with us for the, the quality of it. But let me just set the scene for you, if I may. So it's from an Indiana Jones film. You remember those, don't you? Uh, an Indy, who's Harrison Ford, is charged with his job is to find an elixir that will save his dad from certain death. But in order to do that, the place he has to get it from is across this chasm that is amazingly deep with no bridge in sight. make them like that anymore, do they? So, of course, the link between that movie scene and the book of Acts is the importance of leaps of faith. Uh, and after Jesus' ascension and the choosing of the new disciple to replace Judas, Acts opens with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And essentially, what the rest of Acts is from then onwards is how the apostles and the early church responded to the Spirit's prompting and took leaps of faith as a result. And what we read about through Acts is the stories, the accounts of what happened as a result. And it all starts off with Pentecost and then Peter explaining exactly what happened. And then what happened uh, immediately was that 3,000 people came to faith. They made their own leaps of faith by responding to what the Spirit had prompted Peter to say. And not only did they respond, they started to live in a completely new way, in a completely new community. And then, as was alluded to uh, in the reading, 
as if that was not enough. So the Holy Spirit has come on all these God-fearing Jews. 3,000 people have come to faith uh, in community. They're living completely differently. And then Peter and John go out and they find this guy who's been disabled from birth 40 years ago. And in the name of Jesus, they heal him. So imagine what it's like. You've had a disability all that time and suddenly it's completely different and you're healed. Now, some of you are looking looking a bit stony-faced, but I think I'd be going, wow, this is amazing. So with my hat, I have a very, very long job title. Um, I am the director of healthy churches and new worshipping communities. And with that hat on, if I heard that news, I'd be breaking out the champagne. All these amazing new worshipping communities starting new people. We'd be throwing a party. And in the midst of those fantastic celebrations, I'd be hoping that somebody had put it on some social media feed so that you could all see it and the momentum would build um, and they'd be shared far and wide. And also, how many retweets? My goodness me, it could go viral. Be much better than the chip shop in Binley. (laughs) Just down the road from where I'm working. But of course, uh, leaps of faith are risky and they often upset, um, upset the status quo. So although now our leaders might be thinking, yes, that's great, back in the day uh, when this was all happening, the Jewish religious leadership of the time didn't feel celebratory and joyful about them. They felt threatened because Peter and John were causing them the most amazing headache. There were miraculous events breaking out. There was this no-holds-barred preaching, and there were a huge number of people gathering to start new worshipping communities. So let's just uh, refresh ourselves from last week about some of the things that Peter said, which made the religious leaders not jump for joy, but squirm. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. So imagine if you were part of the Jewish elite and you listened to such inflammatory preaching, are you going to sit there and do nothing? And particularly since amongst the religious leaders, the top dogs were wealthy aristocratic Sadducees who strongly denied the doctrine of the resurrection. They thought it was a complete uh, fabrication. And they also thought that the Messianic age had already started back in the Maccabean period. So they weren't even looking for a Messiah. But the main thing really about the Sadducees was that they were known for cozying up to the Romans. So people going around upsetting all that were causing them real problems. They saw them as agitators. They saw them as disturbers of the peace. And they saw them as enemies of truth. And so consequently, they chose to take the easy way out. And at the beginning of our reading, we heard the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them into jail until the next day. 
interesting tactic. Don't like them, let's throw them in the slammer. But actually, this is the first recorded setback in the book of Acts. And it'd be interesting to see how people responded. Were the apostles disheartened? Were they feeling really negative about it? Because so far, everything had gone swimmingly well. But interestingly, uh, as Luke writes this account, as soon as we hear that the people have been thrown in jail, that Peter and John are there, the next thing we read is, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So there was still this sense in which the Lord was really working. But the following morning, after Peter and John had spent the night in jail, the great and the good of the Jewish religious leaders had gathered as a court, and Peter and John are brought out before them. And I wonder what they were feeling. I wonder what you'd be feeling after a night in jail. Would you be feeling fantastic that 5,000 people had now come to faith? Or might you be just a little bit worried because when this happened to Jesus didn't end very well at all. And also, as Peter, I wonder whether you might remember back when Jesus was on trial to the three times you denied even knowing him. Anyway, the court's opening gambit, presumably referring to the healing of the lame beggar is, by what power or what name did you do this? So, is Peter going to try to deny Christ again. We talked about leaps of faith. Will Peter have courage in this moment to take a leap of faith? Actually, if the accounts records exactly what's going on, he doesn't miss a beat. He's freshly filled with the Holy Spirit and he answers, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So Peter has been tran completely transformed. He's no, longer he's no longer denying Jesus. He's no longer worrying about what's happened. His only aim now, he's not worried about the consequences, is he wants to glorify God. And he boldly explains how the healing of this lame man was linked to God's plan for salvation for all. He's using this image of the physical cure of one man as an image of how God wants to heal all of us. And if you weren't here last week and you want to explore that a little bit more, do listen to Andy's talk about the healing of the lame man that he spoke about last week. But when Peter talks, there's absolutely no ambiguity about the centrality of Jesus. It's Jesus or nothing. So if you're a Sadducee, if you're a religious leader and you don't believe in resurrection and you think the Messiah has already come, that all sounds really, really contentious. So we now come to my favourite part of the passage. 
when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who'd been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So I absolutely love the fact that what made Peter and John distinctive in the Jewish leader's eyes was the fact that they had been with Jesus. And we hear that and it sounds really, really encouraging. But actually it was an insult. So when the religious leader said that, what they meant was, you follow somebody who's not a proper rabbi, hasn't got the proper qualifications, he hasn't done the right training, uh, he doesn't know what he's up to, and what on earth are you doing following him? So no proper theological training, no professional status as a religious teacher. And so what that made them think, it really confused them, because they thought, well, how on earth can these things be happening? They thought maybe they're making it all up. But every time they thought that, when their whole system was thrown out of whack, as it were, there standing beside them, bold as brass, was the guy who'd been healed, who everybody knew for 40 years couldn't walk. So what did the religious leaders decide to do with Peter and John? Well, first of all, they had a quick conflab, you know, quick, what are we going to do? We don't really know what to do in this situation. And decided that denying the healing was completely pointless because the news was out there. Everybody knew that this man had been healed. But they were really anxious to stop things getting worse. So they decided on the tactic of warning the apostles that they mustn't speak about Jesus anymore. So Peter and John were called in before them and effectively the Sadducees had decided that they would be let off with a warning. So they were told not to teach or to speak at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John, prompted by the Holy Spirit, were on a bit of a roll. They'd seen for themselves how God had honoured that first leap of faith, hadn't they? You know, all of Acts is building, Peter's faith is growing as he takes small leaps of faith and then bigger ones. Uh, so instead of worrying about it, they take the next leap of faith. So they replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. So they've been with Jesus, and inside them there's this welling up of how amazing that is, and nothing that anybody says or does can stop them sharing that. And Peter and John, of course, couldn't be, public, couldn't be publicly punished because here is the man who's been healed after 40 years. So that's what happened in Acts. Let's just spend a moment or two thinking about what that means for us. So first of all, how do we decide on whether to take a leap of faith? What makes you decide whether that's a good idea or not? Um, it's an important question to ask because the whole thing about leaps of faith is you don't know how they're going to turn out in the end. And I guess perhaps one of the most common reasons that people take leaps of faith is because the stakes are so high. They're impelled to do something because something has convicted them that it really matters. So in our lovely Indiana Jones film, um, what we've got is Harrison Ford as Indy impelled by the fact that if he doesn't do something, his dad is going to die. So the stakes are really high, and sometimes that enables us to do things that we wouldn't do. And it's exactly the same with Peter and John. They've lived with Jesus for three years. They're filled with his spirit. 
And what they're thinking the whole time is, how can we not speak about this love that we've experienced from Jesus and we want to share it? The stakes are really high. It really matters that people encounter the risen Christ. They can't help but speak of his love for all those who are lost. So the first reason that people take leaps of faith is because the stakes are high. The second reason is that because they trust the person who's asking them to take a leap of faith. Do you remember that party trick when someone stands behind you and you're supposed to lean over backwards and let them catch you? <laughs> you're laughing. I know you've done that before. You don't do it if you don't trust them, do you? We've all got stupid friends who we know would just let us miss especially when you're younger. Um, so you really, really need to be able to trust the person that they're going to catch you before you attempt it. And Peter and John had lived alongside Jesus for three years and now they heard their master's voice prompting them. They heard God speaking to them, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So in order to take a leap of faith, we need to be walking in Christ's presence, we need to be discerning his voice and we need to be filled with compassion for those who don't yet know his love. And the great news is that the, the same Holy Spirit that filled and empowered Peter is the Holy Spirit who enables us now today to act in his name. And we can start small. It may be that your first challenge isn't stepping out over a great big chasm. It's a relief, isn't it? Or it might be that your first challenge isn't to ask God to heal someone who's lame. Instead, we might be called to serve God practically uh, and share his love that way. You might serve at a food bank. You might volunteer at the wellness cafe. You might even open your home to asylum seekers. But as we do so, uh, as those ideas pop into our head, are we prepared to take those leaps of faith? It's really hard serving other people. It's really hard welcoming people into your home. And also to share your faith. When they say, why are you doing this? Are you prepared to step out? So is God calling you to do something practical and to share who he is? Or maybe God's calling you to stand up and be counted. Christians are refusing to be quiet about a national policy that abdicates responsibility for responding with compassion to the needs of asylum seekers and instead sends them 4,000 miles away to Rwanda. That bold statement from Krish Kandaya, supported by the Archbishop of Canterbury and others, makes clear that if we fervently believe an injustice has been perpetrated, our calling as Christians is to prophetically challenge the status quo. Maybe that's your next leap of faith. And finally, what about us as a church fellowship? How are leaps of faith going to feature in our unfolding adventure of being a mission hub? Well, God's doing all sorts of exciting things out there to bring life in all its fullness across our locality, and he's inviting us to join in. Are we excited? Or are we terrified? Or are we somewhere in between? So as we close, please do be encouraged that Peter and John were ordinary, unschooled people and their only qualification for doing what God called them to do was that they had been with Jesus. They simply listened to Jesus' voice 
and boldly took leaps of faith in the power of the Spirit as they were led. And as a result, God used them mightily to change the world. We wouldn't be here today without them. Just as he longs to do so today. So, brothers and sisters, come and join the adventure and see Leamington and beyond changed one life at a time. Amen. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you that you're here with us. Lord, that your same spirit, the spirit of Jesus, is speaking to us here. And Lord, I pray now that we would open our hearts to you, Lord, and just feel the promptings of your spirit. Feel you speaking to us. And I invite you this morning to open your hearts and to see what dreams you're dreaming. To feel where the Holy Spirit is just nudging you. It might be something that really bothers you. It might be something that you're really excited about. And we're going to have a minute or so of quiet. And then the opportunity, if you would like, to come forward to be prayed for. Eleanor and the team are going to join me up here. And if you would like prayer for anything to do with reaching out or to be equipped to reach out or to be bold to do the thing that you know you could do with God's blessing, then do come forward. So we'll have a moment of quiet and then an invitation. wonder whether um, you'd be willing to stand. It's always much easier for other people to move forward, for ourselves to, to make that leap of faith, actually, and come forward for prayer when everyone's standing. Um, as uh, Sally was just speaking there, I was reminded of a, a friend of mine who um, found herself um, moving forward to, to um, come forward to um, find out more about a particular area of ministry. And she said it felt like God was just kicking her to go forward. And I wonder whether that's um, uh, someone here this morning. So we've got an opportunity, we've got a few minutes uh, to uh, pray. I want to encourage you, if God is uh, speaking to you this morning, if he has nudged you, <laughs> Uh, to take that step of faith. Do come forward to pray. I'm going to invite the band if they would uh, come up um, and uh, they'll be leading us in a, our final uh, song of worship. So there'll be other things going on at the same time, but do please feel free to come forward. And um, we don't have time necessarily to um, listen to you explain, but we can pray a prayer of blessing for you. And um, there's also opportunity after the service to pray uh, with our prayer ministry team as well. So do um, come and we do say um, 
if there's something that God has placed on your heart, don't leave without addressing it. So there's an opportunity as we sing, as we worship, to come forward and we'd be delighted to pray for you and with you this morning.